create life! And I destroy it. Hello. How are you? Good. Excellent. I know I ask you this all the time. Yeah, it's yeah. It's like I don't know, but I do. Anywho. Hi. Hi, loyal listeners. Welcome to our ninth episode of Wachowski Watch. We are on our final film today, which is super exciting. It is. And what is the, what is the grand film that we're talking about today? Jupiter Ascending. Woo! Yes. Which, I was trying to think of a good adjective to oh. compare it to the other films, and... I can't think of one right now. Uh, ho, ho. I don't think it can be captured no. in one word like that. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> Anywho, yeah, uh, so final Wachowski film as of now when we are recording. So uh, I don't know if they're going to come up with any more. Because they, they kind of just did. They said that thing uh, after Jupiter Ascending mm-hmm. about how they didn't think that they would get a chance to have this much of a budget, you know, this sort of blockbuster again, mm-hmm. uh, which I would not be surprised if it were true. Yeah. Uh, and TV has worked out pretty well for them, just in terms of the quality of the work, Yeah. I think. I mean, it, I say that and I thought, well, their show was cancelled, so maybe not, but... <laughs> true. But still, uh, I think, you know, they might have enjoyed it and maybe they'll want to do more of that. Yeah, I feel like for TV, they... We should probably talk about this more in the Sensei episodes to come, but I feel like for television they have just because of the format they have more of a chance to express their ideas long term or can kind of flesh them out more yes. as opposed to just kind of cramming everything in in yes. a two hour movie which is relevant which is relevant especially to Jupiter Ascending oh yes uh, so I guess we'll start out with the usual questions um, when did you first become aware of Jupiter Ascending when did you first see it and what were your initial thoughts on it Camden well I sh- think Jupiter Ascending was after I had really gotten into the Wachowskis, mm-hmm. you know, one of only two things, including Sense8, um, because Cloud Atlas was sort of the big uh, causer of all that for me. And so I just, I remember following the pre-production a little bit, uh, not the pre-production, but, you know, it got announced and it was delayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I it was supposed that. to come out in like the summer originally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was more than one, but it ended up coming out, I believe, in February, uh, which is, was it, 2015, Mm -hmm. because it was the same year as Sensei, which, yeah, see, that makes sense. You can see the delay, because they came out within, like, uh, four or five months of each other, and obviously they had been done working on Jupiter for quite a while before that, Mm -hmm. but it got shoved into that February zone, probably because of worry about competition somewhere else, but also just because the studio did not think it was going to work out very well, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, the, the gods of Egypt zone, the, that sort of thing. Yes. Those movies. Yes. <laughs> um, and we saw it together. We did, yeah. Uh, in a surprisingly crowded theater. Yes. Considering the box office. Yeah, it's like one of the, it's a, it was a flap, in case this is not obvious. Yes. It I, was a flap, guys. I uh, enjoyed it. I like it more now. Mm. We, we, yeah, we should say uh, this is also not a flop that can be universally defended like some Wachowski movies. Yeah, this one's definitely... Uh, <laughs> it clearly has problems. 
Yes. However, I would say the problems that are there still exist, but I've seen it more than once now, and there are some parts that I have found myself liking more. Mm-hmm. So now I, I do like it more. However, I still I still enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, we all those reviews came in before we saw it. I was expecting the worst, in a way. So what I did get out of it was a lot more than I anticipated at the time, I think. And it's all sort of combined with the fact that they did do Sensei after that. Yeah. And it was this feeling of, like, this is the first movie that I, I really think has some pretty fundamental issues that are hard to get around that mm-hmm. they've done. Uh, but then I loved Sensei so much, I just thought, well, you know. They still got it. was a little it. blip. Like, yeah. didn't work out. Yeah. Doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously you saw it with me. But yes, I did. <laughs> this is a twofold question. Yeah, this is one of the mm. few Wachowski films that I've actually got to see in theaters upon release. Um, I remember seeing ads for it and kind of just getting excited because I was on the, the same boat as you. I was like, oh, yeah, Wachowski's. Like, we were kind of on board with it. We'd been watching. We'd been kind of slowly going through all of their stuff. And so it's exciting to be like, oh, they have new material out. This is going to be great. And I remember watching the trailer with one of my friends, and she's like, well, that just looks terrible, doesn't it? I was like, oh, I thought it looks, you know, fun. Like, I have no idea what it's going to be. And then uh, we watched it, you and I, in theaters with a crowd, like you said. And I remember watching it, and, like, it was a very weird, almost, like, out-of-body experience. (laughs) Because, like, as I was watching it... It was like the equivalent of showing it to one, showing a movie to one of your friends <laughs> that you really like, but you know that they might not. And so it was that sensation of I'm watching this movie and I'm enjoying it despite itself, yeah. but just knowing like at certain like scenes, certain moments, I'm like, oh, that's not gonna fly with most of the people in this room. Although again, I, I feel like our crowd responded well to it too. It was yeah. strange. You would think that it had done well from from being in that theater. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, my my initial reaction after leaving the theater was, it's not bad, it's just not what I like. It's not great. I think for a certain type of viewer, Mm. there is a lot to enjoy in it, and then for another type, which is really what most people, the general public, are usually, you know, it's it, it falls down in more easily accessible ways you know for for people that like really like the world building and things like that there's some interesting stuff on offer but that's not really what most people go to the movies for yeah i remember uh reading up on it afterwards and because i was just so interested because i think that one of the major problems i had uh the first time i watched the movie is there's a lot like the they've created a whole new world there's a lot of world building there's a lot of thought obviously that's gone into this world that they've created and I remember reading somewhere that like the initial script or like the the bible of the story was like 600 pages long or Mm -hmm. something it was like insane like it was a clearly very fleshed out universe and it's kind of sad to think about that and be like and they only had two hours yeah so I think it's one. Of, I don't. I don't know if they ever planned on doing a sequel or not. Obviously, that never came to fruition because of feeling, the box office. I mean, maybe I had a feeling they they condensed what would have been like a three, like, that. like a, a yeah, a trilogy. Yeah. So maybe they still have more ideas, but I think they had already condensed those ideas down. Yeah. Uh, what I was thinking before that I forgot. Yes. <laughs> I think that uh, some people, those certain types of people, mm-hmm. that you know, are really into weird 
sci-fi movies. Yeah. We're hoping it would be more of a Fifth Element situation or something. Yeah. And that's kind of the vibe you were getting with the trailer, too. You're like, oh, this is like a weird world. Yeah, something something that doesn't necessarily look like it should be good, but it carries it off better than you expect. Right. And there's definitely still a fan base for the movie. I know that it has its own little cult online. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's clear that, you know, it's never going to be as big as like the one for the fifth element ended right. up being just because as it turned out uh, it did have stuff to recommend in it but it just clearly wasn't as much of a success as that sort of thing was and you know uh, what a, last year uh, Valerian yes and whatever the rest of that movie the title thousand was, planets or something yeah it came out and I, I haven't seen it but it was a similar situation there I think where which is by the director of the Fifth Element, yes. where people are sort of saying, you know, this this doesn't look good, but yeah. maybe it'll just be so imaginative yeah, that, <laughs> that it, it will matter. be. And yeah. I think Jupiter Ascending absolutely is that imaginative. It has that down. Yes. Uh, it doesn't the lack other ambition, that's for sure. That's yeah, a, a Wachowski trademark there. The more, the more basic yeah. fundamentals that there are some problems with. Yeah. And... Um, I think it's an instance for me the first time I saw it like I was more interested in the world than the characters like I could give or take them but um, I think it really helps and we've talked about this kind of extensively outside of the podcast I mean I think after we saw it um, I think that it really helps if you're going to watch this movie uh, you don't have to like it but I think it helps if you view it more as kind of like a fairy tale or like Oz kind of a Dorothy trip and I, I believe they even talked about this when they were doing press yeah um, they they're did. like it's like Dorothy going to Oz because I remember um, and we'll get to it probably later down the line uh, people were disappointed for the movie for various reasons but I think one of them is the fact that like it doesn't seem like the main character really changes her situation um, in the sense of like she starts off the beginning of the movie she's like cleaning houses and by the end of the movie, she's back to cleaning houses. And some people, I think, were really upset with that yeah. in the sense of, like, well, what was the point? Like, she didn't learn anything. It's like, no, she did. And we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more. But I think if you kind of frame the story in, like, a, someone goes off on a whirlwind adventure and then they come back to the same place, changed and still, like, in a similar situation, but, you know... Just because their situation hasn't changed doesn't mean they have. Yes. I think it kind of sits more comfortably for audiences if they view it like that. Plus, you know, there's the whole fun thing of, like, her wearing a blue and white checkered, you know, shirt. And you're like, oh, it's like Dorothy. You know, yes. She's just kind of, she's literally just kind of being swept up. They were talking about a few visual references yeah. in the behind the scenes. and Yeah. Uh, I remember that you were talking about how much they put into this script. And yeah. my favorite description of... Uh, the movie that I've seen from mm-hmm. someone was uh, that it felt like an adaptation of an entire young adult series in one movie, but yeah. that series doesn't exist. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Which is which is a thing that is true, I think, and and works with the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Idea that it also kind of feels like an idea that was come up with, you know, when the Wachowskis were in their teens or something. Yeah. And it's a very wish-fulfillment sort of story. It's not exactly their most mature work thematically. It feels like something that was thought of 
a while back mm -hmm. and maybe they always just wanted to make a big crazy silly sort of movie and mm -hmm. this was the right vehicle for it right yeah I also think it's funny because um there's been lots of complaints about like the plot and everything and I guess we could dive into the plot a little bit because it does yes. help frame my whole theory of like you know fairy tales like rule is free and then like Oz and kind of like going on these crazy adventures like Dorothy or Alice and then mm -hmm. kind of coming back to their, your starting point um so do we want to do we want to try and do this S briefly summarize it uh, if I we think can. I could summarize it in brief in brief yeah go for it um, in terms of what you really need to know yes. which isn't that much no which is just that we have Jupiter yes our main protagonist mm -hmm. played by Mila Kunis yes Jupiter uh what is it? Jupiter Jones. That's what man. I thought it was. Yeah. It is alliterative, of course. Yes. And, um, yes, she has a sad life, as you said, or, you know, a boring life where she uh, and her family are sort of just housekeeping type jobs. Mm -hmm. She's cleaning toilets all the time. Yeah. And, um, and these are like really nice, like high end apartments and yeah. complexes in Chicago. So she's kind of the running thread with her family is she's really bad with money and she always wants to buy stuff to make herself feel better and she's always kind of envious of the of the places that she's cleaning yes yeah sorry well, just thought i'd throw that in there it's gonna help mm -hmm. me with the point i make later but go ahead essentially she she gets involved in this large intergalactic sort of conflict mm -hmm. uh because it turns out that she is the uh, perfect genetic What's the word they use? Reoccurrence. Yeah, she, she, yeah, she's a reoccurrence. So she has the same genes as this lady who was very, very powerful mm -hmm. and owned quite a lot of the universe, essentially. Yes. And in their galactic laws, if you randomly have the same genes, uh, then you can Write have certain rights, including, <laughs> yeah, she, she was written into the will of this lady who has recently died, and her three children... Are, are all essentially the villains and they are all trying to get at Jupiter because the earth was left to her in the will of her previous reoccurrence Yes, and they do not want her to have it because they want to harvest the earth which they, uh, they harvest people and essentially look, liquefy them in a way and use them to live forever by making a magical immortality yes. juice out of people. Yes, the, the Wachowskis are really into people eating people. Yes. Well, that's, and that's also the... into, like, um, what else was I going to say? Oh, God, I don't remember. I'm blanking oh. on it. The, well, the crux of the, the plot is that, you know, that seeding, harvesting idea of of uh, them, like, they, they put people on Earth. They started humanity yeah. there, and they do it all on these other planets. And then they wait a long time until there's a lot of people, and then they, they take all the people at once, and they use them to make all this lovely immortality juice mm -hmm. that they drink. Yeah. And that's like a, a universal business yeah. that is very big. Yes. And as I think we get a glimpse of, it isn't just like a, our villains thing. Like It's it's also something that uh, the lower yes. the characters seem to have dabbled in in the past. Mm -hmm. It's It's sort of... It's what everyone wants. <laughs> yeah, time is the biggest commodity yes, in the universe. So. And so, yeah, there's. I think the best way to, to s briefly summarize that is just to say that uh, basically Jupiter encounters each one of these three siblings, siblings mm -hmm. in turn. Uh -huh. 
on her merry uh, trip. <laughs> yeah. And uh, eventually uh, defeats them all in her own way and uh, retains the uh, rights to the earth. And then, as she said, she goes home. And we don't really know, you know, what she was thinking of doing with that now that she has she that. got a she got a cool <laughs> tattoo and a dog yeah. boyfriend with maybe wings that would have been that. that's what she got <laughs> maybe that would have been the sequel yeah but as far as it goes it's more about her uh taking responsibility i guess and yeah and growing up than anything mm-hmm. and i think that's that's the framework is essentially this this adventure involving these three different antagonists yes who we, we should probably name yeah i think we, we can just talk about uh each one of those individually in more up. detail yeah totally yeah, yeah. So there's there's definitely like a little bit more complicated like relationship dynamics with how the other characters come into play that aren't Jupiter or the three siblings, um, but obviously our main man is Channing Tatum yes. as Kane Wise, which Weasel. is really fun to say. <laughs> has wolf wolf yes, DNA. Yes, he's like yeah. yeah, he's like a splice of something. It's great. So Channing Tatum is like a part wolf thing. Yeah, and bred for the military. And then you have, which is like one of those things where they'll they'll give you exposition. You'd be like, okay, this is silly. But like when you think about it, you're like, oh, this is, I mean, it's still silly. But I yeah. really like enjoy how like in depth they've gone with well, it. Yeah, that's and an I wish I'd of, known more. It's an example of how it's thought through, I think. Yeah. Because it is all about the genes. And, yeah. you know, that, that whole plot thread is about using people for immortality. And, yeah. and the fact that she is a recurrence of genes. But all these other characters are also... They have these a- animal DNA. Yeah, like your genes them. dictate like your 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 social and class mm-hmm. ranking in the universe, which is interesting. But yeah, so we have Kane Wise, and then we have Stinger, played by Sean, Sean. Bean. Yes, because um, he's a bee. Yes, he has bee DNA. <laughs> it's great. Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy, and crazy. His bees are attracted to Mila Kunis because, because she's royal. Yes, because bees, bees recognize that shit. They know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not making this up. This is great. <laughs> Probably because they have queens, mm. which is a very yes. subtle through line oh, so in classic Wachowski fashion, it's as true. we have discussed. It's true. Yeah. So, um, and and we do have a lot of uh, Wachowski MVPs showing up in this. So you got um, you got Sparky from Speed Racer. Yes. Yes. He it plays uh, Jupiter's cousin. Yes. yes. And he's also going to show up in season two of Sense Eight. Um, you got Tuppence, who is also going to be a main character in Sense Eight. She is the uh, as well as Duna Bay. Actually, yes. they have a scene together. <laughs> which yes. is weird to think about. And yeah, she so is Duna the Bay daughter. from yeah Duna Bay from Cloud Atlas. Uh, she's like kind of one of the I don't know bounty, bounty hunters, hunters yeah. going after Jupiter in the beginning of the movie. And yeah, so we got her. Daughter, the she's one of the big slightly three. less evil. Yes. Uh, we will child. talk about that. So. And what is her name? Her name is Kalik. There you go. Yes. <laughs> yes, and she's uh, she has old lady makeup on, and so she can do the big reveal of like what this magical serum does. And she gets young. And then she gets super young. Yeah. Yes. So. We anyway. also have James Darcy. Yes. In Cloud Atlas. Mm-hmm. And it briefly plays Jupiter's father at the start of the movie. Yes. But then he dies mm-hmm. because... He really loves he his yes, telescope. Yes, because he loves his telescope and he tries to stop some gangsters from stealing it and they shoot him. Yep. Which probably has some deep, sad, thematic meaning. Yes. It's true. <laughs> it's all true. <laughs> 
Um, where do we go from here? <laughs> there's just, well, it's one of those things we should, where it's we like there's so much world stuff. name the others to say that uh, it was the Ab- Abra... The Abraxas, the Abraxas family. family. So this is the main yeah. three villains. The squabbling universe and siblings competing. Yes, apparently Tuppence is Kalik. Yes. And uh, I don't know Douglas Booth's name. Douglas Booth is Titus. Titus. And Douglas then Booth, Eddie Redmayne is... Uh, the best. Belem. Yeah, Belem. <laughs> the best, though, is what you meant to yes, say. Yes, <laughs> he is the best. I enjoy all of them. And, you know, Eddie Redmayne is a big point of contention for this movie. But I we'll say it here. Hot take. What's, what's your hot take? He's awesome in this movie. He is my favorite part. And I have seen a few people say that they thought the movie was really bad. Yeah. But they enjoyed him. I've seen he was the opposite fun. of it, too. And and that, but, which I don't get. I feel They're like... They're like, he's really bad in this movie. I'm like, I think he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do in this movie. Like, I can't see the Wachowskis being like, oh, Eddie's going off the rails. We can't rein him in for this. <laughs> I feel like if you really didn't like the movie, that that would be something nice. You know, at least it would wake you up. It yes. would kind of keep you going. But, but obviously, he's either whispering or screaming. Yeah, the idea <laughs> that he's going for some sort of, you know, Gary Oldman and the Fifth Element thing or something. Crazy, yeah. And, you know, he's not Gary Oldman, so I understand that it's a bit much. He has a pimp and ship, though. <laughs> I must but say, him and Douglas Booth have pimp and ships. Yes, they do. They and we'll, awesome. we can talk about all that lovely production design yes. later. Not that I have much technical to say about it. Other than, like, if you just watch some behind-the-scenes stuff on this, like, again, we've said before, the amount of detail they put into everything is insane. There's a reason, there's, like, a, it's underpinned by logic that, obviously, they didn't get into that much, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, like, the design of the three kind of home bases for the siblings are insane. Well, I think... As well as the costumes, I must say. I think a a convenient way to start... Mm would be to talk about all the stuff that doesn't really work very well. Sure. And then we can just talk about all the stuff we do like. Go for it. After that. Um, For me, after a few viewings, I find uh, there's really one main issue in the movie, Mm. which is that our main characters are not as exciting as everything else. They're the least interesting characters in the movie. Yeah. And that's uh, for a variety of factors, I think. Part of it is that... uh, Part of it may be performance, although I don't want to put that all on them. Yeah. But certainly a lot of the other actors seem like they're having a lot of fun. Yes. And our main two don't really. Yeah. They're they're competent enough. They have some scenes where I think they get a little bit more and they to work with. Mm-hmm. But on the whole, they just uh, they're just a little boring, and you don't really care about them or their chemistry which they don't really have much of yeah and mostly that isn't a big deal because a lot of the movie isn't just them alone they're usually interacting with some of these more exciting characters or scenarios but when it gets down to the heart of it sometimes and it's trying to get back to this as the core of the story you Mm -hmm. just think like everything else is better in this movie yeah i would agree with you on that i think we've talked about it uh previously in some of our other episodes this is one of the movies where not everybody's acting in the same movie mm-hmm. like the the cast is great they got a really great cast but i agree with you i think that the leads are are definitely less interesting um 
and which is a problem for like the third act because it hinges on the idea that like they they really mean a lot to each other and you want to make sure like they they make it out of the situation they're in and um i just find that like they've created this really interesting take on the world and the universe Mm -hmm. and have such a an interesting perspective on I don't know, like a com- commodity consumerism and greed. That's kind of you know the baseline of this whole movie, and like that whole world is really interesting to me. But the characters that are kind of threading us through it yeah. aren't. So when the when they're in dire you know straits at the end of the movie, I kind of don't care, which is bad. <laughs> I I think this. It's must okay to have, have to boring do. leads. It's not okay when like that is the precedence of the the final act of the story is you have to care about them Mm. and i kind of don't sometimes it's not to say i'm not entertained by them i just think that they're kind of the weaker parts of of the Mm. story as a whole i think this must have to do with the script and the way they you know apparently had to condense a lot of ideas into one Mm -hmm. which i think may even involve them having this feeling that this might be our last chance to do a project like this yeah, and that they should just go for it mm-hmm. um, because normally I think the Wachowskis have a pretty strong ability to um, get everyone in the same tone yes. I mean Speed Racer is, is Pitch similarly ridiculous and yeah. every actor does feel like they they know what they're supposed to be doing Yeah. Uh, but in this movie uh, for whatever reason Chang Tatum and Mila Kunis feel like they're not exactly sure so they're just kind of gonna play it straight and hope that works and the rest of the movie doesn't really so it it starts to feel strange yeah they don't seem like they're having too much fun Mm -hmm. like the rest of the cast seems like they're having a lot of fun even though because they're doing these like silly ridiculous things and uh, maybe that's just the case of like these two obviously have to kind of be like this quote-unquote like straight man characters because they have to react and, and, and figure out the world mm-hmm. as it's introduced to both us and them. But yeah. I think, you know, Eddie Redmayne probably wouldn't seem as ridiculous to some people if Mila Kunis wasn't reacting to him like <laughs> like he's not that strange. You right. Know? Like like she's a bit nervous and scared, but she isn't having this reaction of Wow You're ridiculous. You whisper scream uh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Whereas, like, the way that his, those three siblings interact in the scene we have with them together mm-hmm. is much more, you know, they're all very dramatic with each other. Yes. And they feel like they're on the same page. Yeah. Agreed. Any other things that don't really work for you? I think that's uh, the main problem. There are a few things, the first time I saw it, I thought, like, tonal shifts that are strange. Mm-hmm. But oddly, that stuff works for me better now than it used to yeah. uh i enjoy the silly comedy with her family i love her family, family which the first time i f- felt like was disjointed odd, right yeah changed from the rest of the story but i, I find it kind of entertaining now i'm not really sure what i think it also there. helps because you know exactly what's going to happen to them i think that's one of those yeah. rewatch things with the wachowskis where they're they're completely you know deep diving into this new world and they know exactly like where the narrative's going and what each of the pieces are going to come into play and I remember the first time I viewed it I was like yeah why do they keep cutting back to the mm-hmm. family like she's off planet I don't understand like I really enjoy the your cousin is not a chicken line because it makes mm-hmm. me laugh every time yeah. um, once but, you know they are, they're going to they get abducted yeah once end. you know they're going to get abducted which at that moment it doesn't seem like you're going to return to earth mm-hmm for anything and that's that's good because it means 
it that, is, yeah. uh, you, well, at least the second time I watched it, uh, you find them entertaining and yes. a bit funny, and that adds a little bit of caring about them. Like you say, you know, you're not too concerned about what's going on with, with Jupiter and, and Cain there at the end of the movie. But yeah. actually, I think, even if that's not the case, there is a little bit of, uh, you don't want her family to get hurt. Yeah. Uh, which is good, even if you're not as invested in her... Uh, you're a bit more invested in the whole unit than you yeah. would be otherwise. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I think that th- th- those two are sort of the the only problem that is a consistent flaw and issue. Yeah. Uh, most of the other things that are flaws are s- small individual bits that are you know located throughout different parts. Mm-hmm. Just little little scenes that might not work very well. Yeah. Uh, but that's the only thing that's really fundamentally there the whole time. Yeah. Uh, as I mean, for me at least, since I don't mind the tone now, and I do enjoy all the villains. You know, I don't have that Eddie Redmayne problem. Some people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, like the the opening, I think is is kind of rushed and doesn't really land very well with her parents because and her voiceover. Yeah, because it, it doesn't happen again, right? I don't remember. I don't think she does a, a voiceover. I think she just does it in the beginning. Yeah, it's it's necessary exposition, and it's as much as I love James Darcy. Uh, there as her dad it's, it's too short for you to really uh feel the impact of him dying feel the impact yeah it's he does within more like the first five minutes spoiler guys you're introduced to him so quickly that uh he then shockingly dies and it is shocking that it happens but the emotional but you haven't even got, of it is yeah. not there well you haven't got used to him walking around normally so uh, I think more like for the mom, the emotional fallout. You're like, it's a shock that they actually shot and killed him. You're like, oh, that's a mm-hmm. bummer. But there's never like this moment of they literally she's like over his body crying. And then it just cuts to like, and now they're <laughs> sailing to America and Jupiter yeah. has been born. And like, you, I just feel like I agree with you. I think it's one of those things where uh, there's parts in, in this movie where, like we said, this universe has clearly been so thought out and flushed out. The fact that they have to condense it is a problem in of, of mm-hmm. itself because there are, I think, emotional beats that you skip over that are a problem. One of them being, like, I think the relationship with her mom is yes. something that I, I would be more interested in. There isn't much of it. There isn't much of it. Um, and especially, like, the whole the whole kind of, you know, catalyst of the story is kick-started by the idea that, you know... Jupiter's in on this scheme with her cousin to donate her eggs because she wants to afford mm-hmm. a telescope, which sounds ridiculous saying it out loud. It's a bit of wacky hijinks but compared I think that to the would, rest. Yeah, but I feel like that would probably land a little bit better because, you know, like her dad was a, uh, he's an astrophysics mm-hmm. guy with the, and he died over his telescope like asking robbers not to take it i think that would land better if you had like a stronger understanding of what her relationship is with, with her mom mm-hmm. other than like her mom's annoyed with her because she's kind of lazy yeah so i think um the opening also might be the only bit that still is odd with mm-hmm. the tone uh, for me because it is rather brutal and dark and you know you they kill him. Yeah. And it's very sad. But they even have if so you don't much feel to it. get through. And uh, the rest of the movie isn't actually like that. No. You know, no one else that is close to her ends up dying like that or anything. Yeah. So it, it does kind of create this impression that you're watching a movie that's way more 
serious or at least wants to be than it than it really is, and that it can definitely throw a person. I think mm-hmm. uh, I had the, this feeling when I watched in the theater of of wow we're supposed to be this invested this fast. Exactly. Like, they're really counting on the audience here. Yeah. And it wasn't really a big deal because the rest of the movie didn't feel like it really needed that anyway. Yeah. But uh, when you watch it, it definitely feels like it doesn't quite fit. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, the telescope bookends the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, she gets a telescope at the end of the movie because her family chips in, which is nice. But it's like... It, it, I don't know. It just felt like it was kind of missing because they have to rush to get to the other fun sci-fi stuff. Um, so that's a scene yeah, that's kind trouble. of a gray area. And in a more general sense, I would say that the first act of the movie isn't as good. No. Um, even though I do like the family more now, I'm spending all the time on the build-up with her, her egg scheme and all that. Yeah. Uh, it feels a bit like this is oddly mundane for the kind of movie we're watching. Yeah. Uh, and it basically picks up once. Aliens show up a little bit, and yeah. it picks up a little more, and I think it really picks up once they actually leave Earth. Yeah. And I I really quite enjoy watching the rest of it after that point, because yeah. then you're just constantly getting these these fun settings and these just uh, various actors having, you know, playing fun parts for, mm-hmm. for just a little bit of time, too. So you get to see a lot of different fun little things happening at once. You know, that little fun... Yeah. sequence where they go to space DMV. Yes, which um, is, I like, I think it's hilarious. It's boring, but I think that's like, I'm, I think that's one of the things that people are kind of annoyed with is um, despite the world building that they've done, the cool extravagant like sets and mm-hmm. places they go to, they're like, people were like, really? We spend like a, a 20 minute sequence of her going to the DMV, hmm. like a space equivalent of that. And I was like, oh, that's actually, like, one of the few moments where I feel like her and Channing Tatum have, like, a really, I don't know, like, they're in the right movie type of a thing. Yeah. Because they go through that whole process, and then she comes out at being like, I'm never complaining again about the DMV. Mm-hmm. Which is funny, and you kind of, I, I don't know, I, I just, I understand because it kind of slows the pace down a little bit for a joke. Yeah. But I think that they're trying to do something interesting with the universe where, despite it being, like, this cool wide-eyed experience for Jupiter mm-hmm. like th- with all the fantastical worlds everyone else is used to it and it's a lot more like mundane than we would probably like it to be mm-hmm. in the sense that it's like oh it's all about you know corporations and businesses and quarterly monthly stuff and mm-hmm. DMVs and you're like oh that's not exciting for a fun like space adventure but it's like they're. I think that they're trying to make a point with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure whether or not the execution works or if it lands, but I understand kind of what they're going for. They're like, we're trying to make a point about you know, greed and capitalism because like you have these squabbling siblings, and they're squabbling yeah. over this stuff, and with no, no value on any human life, which is you know interesting to think about. But the execution, I think, kind of misses a lot of the time. So, because there's just so much stuff that they put into it. So, yeah. Mm. I um, like that part. Yeah. I know there's a few critics I remember that was the only part of the movie I liked. Yeah. Because I think it is it is fun and silly, and that's the thing about, like, when they get off Earth and everything. That's, yeah. That's when the ideas pop up, and that's what people want, I think, when they're looking for that sort of movie, like The Fifth Element. Yeah. Or that style of thing. Yeah. It's about, you know... It, is this movie the most 
dramatically impressive movie ever. No. No, but it's so silly and crazy and weird. Mm-hmm. It has this special charm to it. Yeah. And I think Jupiter Ascending has a charm like that. It's just it takes a little bit before it really shows it off because it spends a lot of time setting up before it gets you out there. Right. But once you are out there, mm-hmm. I think there's really quite a lot more there to enjoy than than some people yeah. might have noticed even because I could see just getting fatigued from the opening. Yeah. Um, I also, I, th- I think I distinctly remember the first time we saw it in theaters, like the crowd kind of had a, a really like fun reaction to when she does finally leave Earth because surprise, she's been kidnapped. This is going to be a theme, by the way, guys. Yes. Um, the ship takes off and she's like in this uh, like cornfield or something and the ship takes off and the residue that it like, not residue, but the um, consequence of the ship leaving is crop mm-hmm. circles. <laughs> And you're like, oh, crop circles. They've given an answer to, like, what are crop circles? They're like, oh, the results of, like, engines taking off in a field. That's the design they leave behind, like, the afterburn, which is funny because it was kind of like that delight of, like, oh, that they have, like, fun, you know, space explanations for, like, some of the weirder mm-hmm. things that are going on. And there was kind of, like, a, a fun, exciting joy to that. They're like, oh, cool, that's what that means. And now we're leaving Earth. Let's see where that takes us and what, you know, other explanations are out there. So, yeah. Do you want to talk about her getting kidnapped? Uh, since that's Very something bad. most people think of as a negative, but yes. we don't really yes. mind. Yes. Well, I, I do. It is a story problem. Yeah. Uh, that is like the biggest complaint where people are like, it's like kidnap, rescue, repeat three times between her and uh, between her going up against the three different siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this is kind of one of those things where it's, it's a, become a little bit clearer to me the more I watch it because I can kind of follow the thread lines of all the side characters and why they're there because there's a lot of like you know betrayal going on behind Mm -hmm. the scenes that I couldn't quite follow the first time just because convoluted so much is coming at you all at once um so it does help if you do rewatch it but essentially the big complaint is Jupiter they think she's a genetic match and so the three siblings are kind of feeling each other out to see like oh maybe we can manipulate her or kill her or somehow use her to our advantage because we want earth and so Belem technically owns earth that's Eddie Redmayne and but his mommy has written herself into her quill Mm -hmm. and so he has sent um I think some people out to go kill her because he's like I still want to be in control earth and then his brother Titus, Douglas Booth, uh, sent out Keane Wise, my very own Channing Tatum, mm-hmm. to find Jupiter and see if she, uh, he can bring her back to Titus because he wants to manipulate her. And then Kalik doesn't get in on the action until like a little bit later than the two brothers. Like her plans aren't in motion quite yet mm. until then. But uh, I think she... Or she seems to... She brokers a deal with the bounty hunters who are working for Eddie Redmayne. Yeah, and she gets them to betray him, and bring her to Kalik instead of to her. Bring Jupiter to Kalik. Yes. So, the first quote-unquote kidnapping is when the bounty hunters. This includes Dune Bay, uh, have essentially like, oh yeah, we'll we'll take we'll take your bribe. We'll send 
Jupiter to you instead of your brother. So yeah. the first sibling that she meets is Kalik, and Kalik just does like a really fun exposition dump in a really pretty scene <laughs> setting with candles. I wrote down like, oh god, I wonder how long it took them to light all those candles on that floor, <laughs> where she's, you know, explaining the genetic reoccurrence and all that jazz, and then Kane shows up because that's what he does without a shirt, as you do. I and enjoy that scene, you know. Yeah. He shows up and he says, like, you you can't keep Jupiter here. Yeah, and she's like... I even take her away. And she's like, that's that's fine. That's, I perfect, was, yeah, that's perfectly fine. She was like, that's totally cool. I wasn't... I was gonna escort her myself to the equivalent of, like, the DMV place to get all the paperwork filled out. But, yeah, you can escort her. That's cool. So I suppose she's a little insidious still, of course. Yes. But her main objective really seems to be not letting her brothers win. Yeah, like, it's literally from a marketing, like position she stands to gain if Belem doesn't have earth essentially yeah. so she's like i'm gonna kind of put myself throw my my hat in the ring mm-hmm. and and try and get jupiter you know more or less out of harm's way it at night might not be for the best of intentions but i think it's interesting because i remember writing this down like who out of the three siblings do you think is the worst and i think she's a lot worse than you would initially believe because she's going on and on about like oh we have this magical juice thingy <laughs> the serum that you know helps regenerate your cells and you can live forever and time's a big commodity and all that jazz mm-hmm. and she's so kind of flippant about it that like I think at one point Jupiter asks like oh where do you get this stuff and she's like oh feel how soft my skin is you know <laughs> so she's a little vapid and, and vain but I mean she's smart but she doesn't care yeah she's flippant she doesn't care and you don't really get that until they explain later like oh this is actually how this stuff is made by the Mm way um some people yeah so she you know jupiter goes to her and then she's sent to the dmv and then she ends up with douglas booth at some point uh yeah because sean bean betrays betrays them because they kidnap his no they kidnap his daughter or yeah his daughter's sick and so i think he's like trying to get payments or he's kind of Agreed they, to they help. blackmail yes. our friend There's Sean B. Bean. And <laughs> yes, and an abundance of bees. <laughs> I remember seeing a review of this movie that, and I don't approve of this kind of spoilers in a review, but it said that Sean Bean was in it, and he doesn't die in it. Okay, but, I feel like okay. Here's the thing. But it said he does do the other thing that he's famous for, which, which is... I think is betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, the running joke is like, if Sean Bean's been cast in something, it's automatically like a spoiler that he's going to die. So I was pleasantly surprised that he didn't die, yeah. but was not surprised when he betrayed people. Well, you know, he also redeems himself. So really, as far as Sean Bean goes, it's a pretty Sean good Bean. movie yeah. of virtue. Yes, he's great. And anyway, he is a bee, which he's a bee. is great. Can't stress it enough. His name is Stinger, guys. Like if it didn't, and then they do weird things with his eyes sometimes when it hits the light. Where you're like, is his are his eyes yellow? Starting to look a little. Are his daughter's like. eyes yellow? Hmm. They live in a in a house with hives of honey and, and mm-hmm. bees everywhere. It's actually very important, and you know, for the environment, it's good that he's doing this. Yeah, he's really he's doing Earth a service, honestly. But that is how. Yes. Jupiter gets to Titus. Yes. And Titus. Basically, Titus uses is, I the think, super creepy. Yeah, he uses the "I'm gonna marry my mom" strategy. Yeah, which is you know never a good business option. I don't recommend yeah. it. He, he basically he you know does explain to Jupiter. Yes. What the um, where the immortality juice comes from. Yes. And 
you know, it's awful, and he's saying that uh, I didn't used to think it was awful, but now I know the truth. Yes. Uh, so he's going to try to marry her so uh, he can essentially... Oh, I, I mean, what does he tell her is the reason? Because obviously it's so he can kill her, and then he owns the earth. Yeah. But I don't remember how he convinces her. He's pretty much just like, hey, so... Um, I'm not like nearly as ambitious as my older brother, mm-hmm. and uh, I I knew I knew my mom really well. We were close, which by the way does not help with this whole incest <laughs> potential storyline. But he more or less said like at the end of my mom's life, she was trying to break down um, the systems that she had put in place to do this to have this serum made through harvesting planets. She like kind of came to regret it, but before she could really dismantle the system, she was murdered. And so what I want to do is follow in her footsteps and try and take down the system. Mm-hmm. So if you marry me, you're under my protection. My brother and sister can't really get to you. You'll own the earth and maybe we'll have some leverage so we can start dismantling mm-hmm. this, more or less. It doesn't sound that convincing, but oddly, when I last watched it, I felt like I could understand yeah. how if you didn't know anything about it, it would sound like it made sense. Yeah. He makes a pretty impassioned speech about like how this is really bad and I, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And it's just kind of, we're kind of stuck in this vicious uh, cycle. Now I'm wondering mm. if that's true about the mother because I didn't really think about the fact that he's I lying. I have an interesting thing about the mom that I want to get to after we talk well, about Well, in my head, the, I, I, th- I think I accepted that as part of it is that she did not want to do it anymore. Yeah. But I don't remember if that's actually confirmed for real. It is, actually. Does it come up with Eddie? Yeah. Okay, it yeah, does. We'll get to Eddie. So that's what I thought. So anyway, this is, I think, like the 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 little mini story with this sibling, the second sibling with Titus, I think is the one that bothers me the most in because terms of... It has the biggest problems. It has the biggest problems. Yeah. Like, I agree with people where there, there's, a, there's the complaint that Jupiter gets kidnapped all the time, and the twofold complaint of that is she's a very passive protagonist she's not very active things just happen to her and she makes bad decisions Mm -hmm. based off of the information that she has which i get it doesn't make her like the most compelling i want to root for you because you keep making the wrong choices type of a thing but in a sense of like in a in a universe that has been kind of underpinned and planned out by logic Mm -hmm. it makes sense to logically have a character who is thrown into a world and has literally no idea what's going on that she's gonna get manipulated and she's gonna make the wrong decision all the time um that's probably the cause i would guess of most of those complaints is, is this second one yeah um, because, you know, she's like, oh, I agree to do this thing. <laughs> and you think about it, you're like, what? Because she's, like, genetically, like, a match for your mom, and you're going to marry her? And he's like, no, 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 don't think about it like that. Think about it like a business deal. And you're like, it's still creepy, man. <laughs> still really creepy. Um, and that's the only time where, um, out of the two siblings the so far, where she's actually had to be rescued... And I think that kind of gets confused because Kane always pops up at the end before she goes to the next sibling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, like we'll... she doesn't have to get rescued from Kalik, more or less. That could be debatable. Um, but like Kane shows up and there's no fight. They're just like, oh yeah, take her. That's totally fine. Mm-hmm. So with this one, there's an actual thing where like she gets duped in trying to marry this dude mm-hmm. for like business reasons, um, but also because like she's essentially she's blackmailed into it. Yeah. Where she's like, oh, I want to help king get his status back in the oh, military yeah. him and stinger because they've been dishonorably discharged more or less 
and um, you know if I agree to marry you can you help me reinstate him he's like yeah sure let's do it um, so you know there's other motivations behind mm-hmm. her yeah. agreeing to do it other than getting like emotionally manipulated and that's really that's the, that's the only one that yeah. follows that formula because yeah. in the first one that well it just doesn't happen at all yeah you know, he, he shows up he just but shows he up and I think that actually her. threw me too because I'm like you kind of have three of them and he keeps it's kind of a, a similar pattern yeah. of he shows up and saves her and as we um, will which cover which is frustrating yeah. as we'll cover now I guess basically yeah he, he does once again I mean he literally he catches her he at the end of the movie and he carries her to safety yes but the entire climax of all that stuff yeah uh, does not involve him interacting with jupiter at all yeah um she does it all on her own he, he does for, what part? for the actual end oh yes I yeah agree. like the, the rest of this her the stuff she's working through with with eddie redman and all that uh it's her on her own yeah i think uh, so he with just chang chang just saves her afterwards he picks her up <laughs> which, they, they escape together but she is able to maneuver herself out of eddie redmayne's mm. clutches which obviously for the looks, third one. looks similar but at the same time is she does fall a lot he does catch her a lot when she falls <laughs> but um, like on a visual level it strikes you as similar yes. but on a storytelling plot actually, level and, and it's perfectly logical that, it. that he's the one that like is literally physically flying her out of there yes. because she can't do that yeah. anyway yeah but i do agree like whenever her time with the siblings is over he's always there to get her <laughs> type of a thing and you can view that as like kidnap and rescue because in a way like whether she's getting like emotionally manipulated or like you know imprisoned or yes. something like he's always there he's so a space taxi sir he really is he really is <laughs> so i guess we should talk about uh, the most important part of this movie. Oh my gosh, the lizards! We haven't even talked about the lizards. Oh, I will. I like the lizards. Yes. Yes. Uh, Eddie Redmayne. Uh, um, Belem. Belem. Yes. Belem Abraxas. I think it might be Abraxas. Brassics. Oh my gosh. With the S first. You are probably right. Yeah. Well, it's confusing. <laughs> it is. They have fun. Um, they have funky names, guys. And yes, he does have a somewhat an army of lizard dragon men. Yeah, it's delightful. I think they're pretty great. Uh, and he also has a few others. He has his weird, I think, a rat. Yeah, he has henchman. like a rat dude. And then Kalik has like an owl man who's actually Mr. McCready from oh, yeah, Beaver Vendetta. And then uh, Titus has a, like a deer lady who is, what's her name that I cannot, I can never pronounce her name. I, I'm not going to try to say it. Uh, but she. She's great. Is more famous now because yes. she was in Black well, she's, Mirror. Yeah, she's in Black Mirror. She's in Beauty and the Beast. She plays the Feather Duster. Yes. We met, among other things. She's in a lot of other great stuff. I'm not. I don't want to do a disservice, but <laughs> in this one, she has deer ears. But anyway, that that's besides the point. <laughs> it's the point fun though is, to see all the. It's fun thought. to see like you have all these side yeah. characters and they have like weird genetic splices. And we have an even, elephant. Yeah. For God's sake. As she's like the pilot. Yeah. But there aren't even they aren't even repeats too. You know they yeah. didn't just do it. They like chose a different yeah, one. Yeah. You have you have like robots and sim. And then you have, like, genetic spices. Mm-hmm. And then you have, like, the elite genetic people. So um, That's fun. Yeah. But anyway, for, for Eddie, he, his muscle is uh, a sniffling little rat dude. Yes. And then his lizards. So, And when I say lizards, I mean, like, seven, eight-foot-tall lizards. Mm-hmm. Like, they're to mess they're really shit big. up. Yeah. They're big. They got wings. 
it's it's just like <laughs> I think someone like talked about this movie and they talked about the world being like like what you said like a young adult sci-fi <laughs> yeah. like girl <laughs> wish fulfillment thing and I was just like I, I see it I see it yeah that, that's creatures. another thing that it's like that it's not a justification but yeah. it's just it is what it is if you um if you view the story sort of as the, the kind of thing mm-hmm. like say this hypothetical teen mm-hmm. girls fan fiction or something mm-hmm. uh, you can see why uh Which I someone hate that. might what i just hate the 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 implication of that is it can't be taken seriously because it's like a teenage girl yeah i hate it but, but anyway. you know just in the sense of like there's a demographic that enjoys things like like twilight mm-hmm. and in particular the part of the story where um essentially the the love interest is all that matters and everything else is in service to them mm-hmm. uh, which I should say yes is really more of a teenage issue you know it's not it's not a teen girl thing it's I know just but a it's just engendered thing. and it's very annoying it is true that people do it more though with, yeah. with girls screw but, you guys Mary Shelley anyway but as a as a young person writing you know mm-hmm. it's perfectly uh, it's not surprising that someone might come up with a story mm-hmm. where they're, they're just a nice love interest and they save them all the time and they're super in love and it's great yeah and that's not the like a super you know progressive or <laughs> feminist story that we might all like to see but it's still a story that might appeal to a person at a certain time of life mm-hmm. and i don't think that it needs to be you know outlawed for being too much yeah it's, it's just what it is and it's what the story kind of looks like mm-hmm. and Although, as we've discussed, it's it's not as clear-cut as that appears. No. But certainly, Channing Tatum is kind of like a a magical wolf love interest from he's the like stars. He's like Toto. <laughs> yes, he is like Toto in the analogy. He's like her Toto. He's the one that, like, is, guides her through, I guess. Now, this is like, you know, the shape or water version of Wizard of Oz. It, yes. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and... Whatever I was going to say about Channing or something. Yeah. I don't know. With with Eddie Redmayne is what we were talking yes. about. Which is what really matters. Yeah, it's true. He um, great life. You know, he That's makes a lot of he line. makes a lot of choices. Yes. Yes. He makes a lot of choices to be barely hearable at all mm-hmm. and then to be really, it's really one or noticeable. the other on the audible spectrum. Yeah. And one thing that's helpful about seeing this movie more than once is you actually hear all his dialogue. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh in fact just unrelated thing. There's a whole scene at the start where all the siblings are together. I want like a. I just wanted like a movie with them. Yeah, well they're like, great. They're just great but and also like Shakespearean makes, and petty. It makes like no sense the first time. No, not at all. And that definitely doesn't help with the experience because you're confused. Yep. Uh, and the second time you understand what they're talking about, and that's very helpful, I yeah. think. And you can actually tell what their dynamics are, which you get later on just from seeing them on their own. Yeah. Which is pretty impressive. Yeah, in, you kind of get more, it kind of fills it out more the more you watch it because you kind of get the relationship of like, oh, they're constantly backstabbing each other yeah. for like market advantage. So. But uh, Eddie's having a lot of fun. He is. And he's got his, his crazy costume. Mm. He's looking fabulous, I must say. He is ridiculous and he has some mother issues i mean titus did too i think they all have mommy issues his are pretty bad yeah yeah uh plus he uh seems to have killed her yes he is, is revealed he, he she begged me to do it yes 
You said you hated your well, life. Well, that's what he says, of course. He yeah. says that she begged him for death because, presumably, she, she, hated her she did hate yeah. what she was doing. Which is a really interesting thing that I want to touch on, because mm-hmm. I did not get this the first couple times I saw it, and I might just be reading way too much into it. But when you first meet the siblings at the very beginning of the movie, they're at some planet post-harvest, casually talking about death. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, yes, the harvest, I heard they don't feel pain. And then one of them's like, oh, Blem, I heard you out Earth. I heard it's beautiful. And it's just like snarky McSnark fest. It's great. Um, and they're talking about like, oh, you always did have mother's head for business. And then Kalik is like, oh, what did you have? And he's like, her heart. And she's like, what does that leave me? He's like, her good looks. And she goes, her unluckiness and love. And they're just going on and on about their mother. And it's really interesting because you, you take that context at the beginning of the movie. And then you also tie into the idea of Jupiter. Wa- she has this whole montage at the beginning. Waking up, moaning, I hate my life. I mm-hmm. hate my life. And then that's oh, kind yeah. of reinforced with the idea of like Eddie Redmayne saying, You're my mother, she hated her life. She like begged me to take her life, more or less. And then Jupiter always moaning about her unluckiness and love every time she awkwardly tries to hit on Channing Tatum with, like, talking about dogs. <laughs> so I think it's funny because, I mean, a little bit too much reading into it, but there is definitely a through line of their mother hated her life. Jupiter hates her life. Her mother didn't have the ability to change her life. Yeah. And Jupiter's not... Up until this moment, uh, she is not doing anything to change her life either. And is also kind of just accepted that she's unlucky in love mm-hmm. in the same way that their mother is. So there's a correlation between those two characters, even though she is not their mother. She's just a weird genetic match of it. That is interesting. So it's just like a fun little thing to pick up on and be Probably like... Probably came out more in the 600-page script. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um. But I think it's fun to like see that and see like, okay, so their mother ended up dead. And in this, she doesn't because... As we talked about, I think some people might be disappointed because Jupiter never has like a big action hero moment. Yeah. But her big action hero moment isn't an action moment. It's when she makes a decision. Yes. Which I think is kind of more... Um, might cinematically be a little less impressive for an audience. But in terms of like, hey, she's a reoccurrence of this woman who couldn't Mm -hmm. clearly was not making decisions great decisions it's nice to see that jupiter despite being gullible and manipulated makes a decision it's interesting as a character moment and it is nice that she's not a action character you know she's not she's not the muscle yeah change tatum and the script doesn't make her into that you know that's not yeah she, she doesn't have I mean, a training she does, montage she does she, get to beat up eddie redmayne with which like is a, fun a pipe or something yeah but you know that's and that's she keeps repeating like <laughs> i'm not your mother which is like yes it's true maybe you shouldn't yeah. have agreed to marrying titus that was weird but it is like a nice moment for her yeah. to be come into her own and say like i'm not this person you think i am and that, i don't that... want to be related to her and i am actually willing to sacrifice myself mm-hmm. and my family to save a planet which is something that her mom's like or not her mom their mom couldn't do couldn't do yeah yeah like she didn't sacrifice her or her family she made a living sacrificing planets for her and her family she was able to be selfless yes which is like when you watch it you're like oh that's not great i wish she would just kick some ass and you're like well you know it's nice because it kind of subverts that idea i think it's nice as a version and 
there are grounds, of course, for thinking it's unexciting. Yeah. I just think if... It's more realistic, too. In terms of a, an argument about her indecisiveness and lack of agency in the plot or something, yeah. I think that that isn't that true when you look at the that end. she makes that important yeah. decision. You know, it might not be exciting, but it is a real character decision that happens Mm -hmm. and the movie does hinge on it too yeah despite all the talk as you said about the rescuing by Channing Tatum uh, that is a moment she makes all by herself and she's alone yeah and then she 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 does fight Eddie yeah and she actually beats him basically and so she she philosophically makes the right choice yes and then she does get a little action bit where she also wins. Yes. And then afterwards, she is... Quote-unquote, saved rec- again. Rescued, picked yeah. up by, by our wolf friend. Yeah. But, I mean, that's that's one of those things, I think, in the fairy tales slash Wizard of Oz slash... Uh, Alice in Wonderland type of story. Fan fiction-y thing. Yeah. Where, like, she has some agency, she made some good decisions, she did some good things. Uh, she also gets to have the pretty wolf boy pick her up and take her away at the end it's right. you know it's sort of a wish fulfillment thing I think. yeah also logistically it makes sense because yeah, he's the one with the gravity boots oh my god we haven't even talked well, about that's gravity a, that's, boots that's sort of what you're talking about yeah. about all like what's realistic versus what's actually interesting or engaging right. to watch because yeah, what's like realistic? she makes bad decisions she isn't very good at stuff she doesn't know anything about the universe and also she can't fly mm-hmm. and so in the movie you know they keep having her make bad decisions. Yeah. She does not actually figure out the right stuff until the end. Mm-hmm. She never becomes an action hero, really. She does get to go down a floating magical stream of gravity. That is fun. Which, honestly, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and ask for someone to make that into a ride. Mm-hmm. If you were guaranteed that you weren't going to get hurt or die, that looks like a lot of fun. It does look good. Yeah. When they're flo- like, literally th- like floating through Jupiter and she's ascending. Yeah, she doesn't She doesn't strap on the gravity boots at the end either and no. like just fly off brilliantly and save the day because this movie takes place in a short period of time and she doesn't know how to do those things yeah. <laughs> so it's it's realistic but obviously in most stories the hero sort of figures out more stuff like that so they can yeah. do more impressive looking things on yeah. screen i think it is one of those things where she doesn't get like a neo moment yeah where she like doesn't all of a sudden it, everything clicks and then she gets to you know kick some serious ass it's a decision she makes a decision and it's the right one finally and it's her not being selfish which is like a big overall theme of like Mm -hmm. not exploiting people not commodifying things and that's a good thing Mm -hmm. and I think that really helps kind of sell the idea at the end when it cuts back to after this crazy adventure of she's going back to cleaning toilets but she's she's more content with her life because of the decisions she's making and that seems like a letdown for some people, but I like that it really seems to stick true to the reality of the movie that mm-hmm. has been created. And I do think they probably had ideas for more, which we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the fact that some might, well, it's the same thing again, I guess. It, it might just seem underwhelming. Yeah. But to actually complain or say that, you know, how could she just not want to deal with for one the fact that she apparently owns the world yeah but also the fact that there's still this planet harvesting yeah. going on all over the universe yeah. like how can she just go back to her life 
I think, well, you know, if you're assuming that what you see in the last scene is her life for the rest of her life for, like, 70 years, yeah, then obviously that makes sense. But I think you can assume... She's trying on gravity boots now, yeah. guys. She's taking they, her first they, steps they to probably, a larger world. They probably had an Thank idea, you, whether or not they actually thought of a sequel, that, you know, she would get to that. Yeah, I almost kind of wish this would that we would have a sequel, just because I'm curious to see what a Wachowski sequel would look like after mm-hmm. they've done their whole thing with the Matrix trilogy. But also because, like, there's so much room for it in this universe. Yeah. And for those who might feel disappointed about you know how it kind of concludes mm-hmm. with her character arc and what she does like i don't know if you'll ever get like a kick-ass action scene with her in any of the potential sequels that could have happened yeah. but it's nice to be like she straps on the gravity boots at the end there's potential for mm-hmm. her you know and so. channing gets his wings back channing gets his oh i yeah. <laughs> this is a this is a hard movie to show to people i think because i get a lot of like giddy secondhand embarrassment of like mm-hmm. i know that this isn't the greatest thing ever made I know it's silly and then sentimental and serious at the same time like it wants to be uh, we've talked about this too about like blockbusters and like the Wachowski equivalent of that is they're um, you know they're they're making the movie they want to make and it's gonna subvert a lot of your ideas about blockbusters whether or not they can execute that well is obviously up to people because this was a very you know divisive and didn't do well type of a movie but I think it's one of those things where there's space for them to have really high concept ideas of like how the universe runs in our world that we've created and everything we have explanations for it all and look at all the stuff we've created there's a lot of high concept stuff going on there about like the value of human life and genetics and class and you know all that and then on the flip side, it's like, and then there's gravity boots. <laughs> you know, they they kind of want to have it all, and that's kind of yeah, that's hard to to share with people and show it to them without them just immediately rejecting it and being like, this is so stupid. You're like, yes, it's stupid, but it's also great. He has to be able to fly though, and he can't have his wings because exactly. he has to get them at the end. So he's got to have another way. Exactly. But fly. that that was a big moment for me. It was, we showed this to some, to a group, and we were just like, and they're like, oh my god, he got wings. I was like, no, isn't it great? Oh, it's so silly. I don't, I don't know, know why the wings of all things would bother I think people. it's just a very, I don't I mean, know. the gravity boots would. I know, I love the gravity boots. Well, I think that scene is the love story ending. Yes. And this movie feels, certainly mm-hmm. with her character, that mm-hmm. the love story is very important and it's sort of the core of the story. Yeah. And that isn't how most people feel watching it, I think, as yeah. we know. Yeah. Uh, but it's still what the movie is setting out to do. Yeah, so and I think that's, that's why, why there's a lot of cringe moments there, because well, people don't really buy it. So whenever they're like, go after the girl, you know? That's why that's the end. Yeah. It's because that's her happy love story ending. It doesn't yeah. mean that nothing happens after that. It's just, you know, that's why we end on this moment of yeah. grace for her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's it's too bad it doesn't sell itself like it wants to right but uh as i was saying that i realized it's kind of cool that her whole conflict that she does go through Mm -hmm. uh at the end um that does not involve um kane directly yeah but also he has nothing to do with it which is nice as much as it's sort of a wish fulfillment love interest story um her internal issues that she's dealing with have nothing completely unrelated to to her 
space boyfriend. Yes. Uh, they're yes. they're just about questions of uh, ethics and responsibility and, and her family, family and, and yeah. all that, which is which yeah. is kind of nice. Uh, yeah. There's never a moment where she has to choose to like save his life because he's in danger mm. or choose him for something. It's which is she nice. tries to help him at yes, that one part. She does, but, but it's never like he's in any mortal danger. Yeah. Well, yeah. They don't pull the. Uh, <laughs> like do this or we'll I've, kill him. I've kidnapped him you yeah. know I've, I've got a knife to his throat yeah you have to sign the contract exactly move, yeah which is nice yeah I agree you know I thought I would have more to say about like Eddie Redmayne because he's very divisive but all I can really think is that I really enjoy it I'm sure I'm never bored when he's on screen I quite ever. enjoy all three of the siblings that's my main thing like you said it would be great to watch a movie about them yeah um, because they each are having lots of fun in their own ways, I yes, think. Yes, and they're uh, each horrible in their own ways. You know, Tuppence was being very, uh... She's sly. Like, She's a sly lady. I was thinking the word for, you know, above it all, sort of. and uh, Tweety-tweety. Pompous, yeah. Pompous, yes. And the Douglas gets to be really smug. And smarmy. The and word you're uh, looking for is smarmy. <laughs> yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. And, uh, and then Eddie gets to be whatever you would call what he's doing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um... Do you have a favorite scene? Obviously, we know your favorite character is Eddie in yes, this. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, well, I would like to first say, because I always talk about this for some reason, that mm. I really enjoy the fight between oh my God. Channing Tatum and the Lizard Man at the yes. end. I just think it's cool, and apparently I like Lizard Men. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Uh, I am. I, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, I noticed in movies like this, I have to enjoy these one-on-one sort of fights mm-hmm. because I was talking about how the uh, this big set piece earlier um, in Chicago where they have lots of ships chasing after them yes. isn't quite as exciting to me as like that scene. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I just I like enjoy the one-on-one, these one-on-one things. Yeah. But yeah, that's just an action scene I enjoy. And, and I do think actually in general, we haven't talked about that, the Wachowskis are very good at action and um, it's a bit underwhelming in Jupiter Ascending at parts. Yeah. And I'm not sure exactly why that is. Like, I don't, I don't find that that's in any way related to any of the other story problems or anything. Mm-hmm. It's it's just somehow not as exciting. Uh, they, they haven't tackled this stuff the same way all the time. You know, in The Matrix, of course, it's all this martial arts and everything. And, mm-hmm. and well, they tackled some other types of things in the later ones. But, you know, it's Speed Racer's action is very different. It's mostly yeah. racing, and if it's not, it's very bizarre and over the top. Yeah. Uh, but... But Jupiter Ascending is is interesting, and I think we, we talked about this before. But um, parts of it are very reminiscent in terms of visuals, of particularly the, the Neo Soul section of Cloud Atlas. Yes, I remember. It almost feels like that. they they looked at it for reference, inspiration. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but oddly, the scenes of brief action in that I think are generally more engaging, mm. and I don't know if it's because they're shorter. It might also be because you care about the characters more. I do, but also, like, that's part of my th- what my thing was in Jupiter Ascending with the Chicago scene, although mm. I liked it more this last time. Yeah. It's just that I think, like, it's kind of long. Mm. It's long because they're trying to show it off. Yeah. It doesn't need to be that long. And, yeah. you know, that's that's a problem they, uh, you know, might have run into before a little bit in terms of, I've heard people say about The Matrix, mm. like, in when they started making the sequels. Mm-hmm. They knew that people liked the action. That was a big part of the appeal of the first one. Yep. So now they're kind of trying to come up with action scenes 
to have action scenes and not just action scenes because that's where the, the plot forward, needs to yeah. go. Yeah, and so there's a little more action for the sake of action. In most of those cases, I enjoy it anyway. But in Jupiter Ascending, I think the combination of caring a little bit less means some of these action scenes are just... They're not the parts I actually like. I, I get really excited for her talking mm-hmm. with, the, with the siblings and stuff like that. I yeah. don't really get excited for the, the big action parts. Except mm-hmm. that, for whatever reason, I do really like the third act stuff. Not not just the lizard fight. But, yeah. You know, I, I think that... Um, that with stuff her, feels her fun exciting. Jupiter amusement park ride. Yeah, there's just something exciting. That's yeah. that's a really exciting setting too. It, yeah. it just works better for me. But the Chicago part and like the earlier fight that they have on Sean Bean's farm. Sean Bean. Are are <laughs> fine. They don't really excite me, yeah. and that's an unusual thing for me with Wachowski action. Mm-hmm. I mean, once we we jump into you know Sensei next, and oh, all the action is like insane. it's always a it's highlight. Great. You know, it's always yeah. exciting and. It didn't land. For you, yeah. yeah. I actually, uh, the Chicago uh, scene is actually one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I do agree with you uh, that it is a, it's probably a little too long, but I enjoy it, and I think more of because um, I like the setting. I don't really, I it doesn't particularly drive anything forward. It's just kind of like their first big set piece, and it literally is just throwing Jupiter like headfirst into it. Yeah. Um, which is fun, but I like the idea of um, th- it's like this weird thing where they're they're the, Chicago's a big thing for the Wachowskis. Yeah. They are from Chicago, I mm-hmm. believe. They shoot there a lot. Um, in Sense8, you're going to see Chicago a lot. It's kind of like it's their hometown, I believe. Don't quote me on this. But if it's not, it should be because they seem to really love it. <laughs> but I, it's like a weird love letter to the city as they're destroying the city because <laughs> it takes you through all these like you know different skyscrapers and landscapes and, and like landmarks that are famous in Chicago and I love the lighting and I it think looks nice. it looks really nice and what I enjoy a lot about it is obviously they didn't although it might not be as satisfying for the audience I love the fact that they put a lot into it because I believe they had to shoot like there's a very very short window to get the lighting that they wanted for that scene mm-hmm. and there's a very specific time of day where chicago only looks like that and it's like that's some weird hour in the morning and i think they only had something along the lines of like 45 minutes to shoot it so this whole sequence it took like mila kunis and channing tatum like six months to shoot because they only have 45 minutes a day for for six months to get in and get that lighting and I really like that like even for a set piece that might not be as exciting and people might consider a little bit more generic compared to mm-hmm. you know other action scenes happening today I like the fact that you're like no they, they actually really did shoot in Chicago and it kind of enhances it for me that they're like they went out of their way to just get this lighting down which is great. It seems like they really like the city. They really appreciate it, and they show it off. And it is kind of thrilling because they're like, we're we're showing off the city, and we're showing off like the technology of the universe we've created in here. Does it really drive the story forward? No, not really. It just kind of throws Jupiter into the mix for the first time. Could it have been shorter, yeah. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm entertained. So I really like that. I like Eddie Redmayne scenes, and I really I think my MVP is uh. It would be Eddie, but since you already chose that, I will probably say <laughs> Sean Bean because come on now, who are we getting? 
He's delightful. I uh, I realized that instead of saying my favorite scene, mm. I just talked about not liking the action scenes. That's okay. Uh, so I would say I don't really have a single one, but yeah. I uh, just like that end set piece with everything going on. You know, mm. with with we have Kane, he's trying to break into the atmosphere, and yeah. then he, he gets there to Jupiter. Yeah. And Jupiter is doing her own thing with Eddie and when they come back out and escape I also think that the score is particularly good during the ending set piece which is great and oh this is very exciting this is very important for me Mm. because we talked about this on Speed Racer same Mm. composer yes and I said his name wrong because I didn't know how to say his name but I know how to say his name now go for it his name is Michael Giacchino and yes he is great Uh, and I do think he frankly wrote a better score than this movie probably deserved Mm. But it gets particularly good at the end, and so the visuals plus him really working, and me just liking the end better means yeah. that it does actually get me a little excited in a way that the other parts don't. I know when, despite the complaints, when when Channing picks her up and sails her out of there, I start to feel like it's really quite majestic mm-hmm. <laughs> and exciting yeah. because of all the production around them almost, mm-hmm. and I guess. In general, I would also say I love the scene where she is about to get married to Titus just because I think it looks great Stunning. and her outfit is ridiculous. It's insane. As is his, actually. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Um, actually, as a scene between the siblings, I think I really like her s- sort of extended scene with Kalik. Yeah. Because it's a bit longer mm-hmm. than some of the others, and it is basically exposition, but yep. it's oddly uh, interesting and engaging. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, yeah, Jupiter Sunning. It's a it's a bit of a tough sell, but it's definitely worth a look. Um, you can watch it to giggle at it. You can watch it to giggle at Eddie Redmayne, or you can watch it a couple times, and you're definitely going to pick up stuff. If you um, are into, you know, planet and spaceship design, and lizards, really, yeah. It, I mean, it's, it yeah. looks amazing. Yeah. It still looks amazing now. I mean, we were yeah. talking about how good some of the stuff in, like, The Matrix looked when we watched it yeah. uh, much later. Mm-hmm. Now, this movie is still three years really old now, and obviously it looks very, very good still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I again, I really encourage... <laughs> Obviously, I hope you've seen it, or else this does not make any sense that we've spoiled the bejesus out of it. But I really do think help. I think it helps that you you contextualize it in uh, not as a big epic sci-fi movie, and the world may be epic, but the the framework and the story the storytelling is not in a sense of it is more kind of like a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. She meets people, she learns stuff about herself along the way, and she gets home. So, I think it helps. (laughs) Just saying. Anywho, anything else we want to talk about? I don't think so. We're good? We're wrapping up? That's it for movies. That's it for movies. Oh my gosh. Momentous. Okay, so next time we will be talking to you guys about Sunset. Strap in. It's going to turn to a Sunset podcast. Very excited. Okay, we should sign off. This has been Vicky. This is Camden. And that was Jupiter Sending, Wachowski Watch. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bees! If you guys liked our show, please let us know. You can rate and review us on Apple.
Apple Podcast. And also feel free to contact us on our main website. That one is grumpyoctopusproductions.com. Then I'll link you up to all of our social media. You can follow us on Twitter and or like us on Facebook. And you can reach out to us at our email account. That is grumpyoctopusproductions at gmail.com. I think we're sensing a bit of a trend here. (laughs) Um, Also on the website, you guys can check out all of our episode and production notes and fun little extras as well. So, as always, thanks for listening, loyal listeners. Alrighty, signing off. <laughs>